0: in reality you know we go down these entrepreneurial paths we get so excited about what we want to build and true wealth and legacy and sometimes we forget that the way that we're coming across and sometimes we're working so hard within the business that we forget to take a step back and look at what impact that might be driving on the business and i know i've worked very hard to uh develop a set of systems to manage burnout part of that was realizing that 50 percent of this game is a personal mindset. 50% is growing the business. And you know, whether it be burnout or just your Sunday afternoon anxiety, these are things that we all deal with, and they're a mental tax of building companies. And it's okay to you know be human, not superhuman.
1: hello everyone thanks for listening in to this week's episode of the think business with tyler podcast show today's guest is jim barnes jr jim is the co-founding managing partner of orchid black this is a new type of growth services firm that partners with tech companies to build smarter and better businesses jim is a strategic change leader with over 20 years of global focused, and integrated experience. Throughout his career, he's helped many organizations reinvent themselves by undergoing business process improvements, 360 assessments, and strategic actions. Jim has created a collection of proven processes and methodologies that can help companies build scalable, fundable, and exit-ready solutions. In this episode, we talk about the founder's journey and what it actually looks like. Scaling a business and ways to identify where your company stands when it comes to scale and growth. Why sales funnels still very much exist and are crucial for business growth. And last, how to effectively attract and retain top talent. I could talk to Jim for hours because he's got so much knowledge and experience to share. I'm sure you'll feel the same. I'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode, and I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording it. As usual, thanks so much for listening. Have a great one. Hey, Jim, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Uh, How are you doing, man?
0: I'm doing terrific, Tyler. I'm in for a really fun time today and thought-provoking podcast. Let's have some fun.
1: Thanks so much. I I do have to admit to the audience, we started the first five minutes of the show, and uh, knucklehead, that's me. Uh, didn't start record. So we're we're kind of going through this again. And Jim's been kind enough to repeat the first five minutes. So, hey, I'd love to just start out with, can you share with us what you do now? That That's a good starting point, And I'll drill down from that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Hopefully I'm better the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine you're a founder and you've built a really awesome, strong company. And by all measures, you've achieved a lot of success. You've hit a lot of targets, but you might be missing some others. And you meet a team of growth and value creation experts that are able to help you understand exactly how to make your business worth so much more. And what's more, they're willing to partner with you and align their fees to your company's performance. And that's really, you know, that doesn't really imaginary anymore. That's what we've built at Orky Black. We're really one of a kind, trusted partner, those growth experts, a SWAT team, if you will, of strategists, operators, and M&A experts. And we serve founder-led tech forward companies that are in the black or profitable looking to exit within the next six to 36
1: months. And what I like, I believe you said when we were talking is you have a stake in the game. Like you guys actually are invested in improving the business and getting that growth in place. Is that true?
0: That is absolutely true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great thing. So, hey, I do want to, before we get more into your, your business and just some philosophies and ways that you can approach growth, got a lot of exciting questions. I would like to talk a little bit about your journey. Yeah. And, and specifically, I'd love to just for you to share with us some trials and some tribulations that you've experienced that you've had to face and overcome. And probably you're, you know, like most of us, when you do have these trials, you're, they're kind of a lifelong thing. You're always kind of working on them to get better or overcoming them. Can, can you share a little bit?
0: Yeah, I definitely can. I definitely can. Starting a business is not easy and growing a business is, geez, even harder. Yeah. Uh, and thinking about working on the business, not just in the business, is something that I think we all run into. Along with that, you know, the founder journey, if you will, is something that people don't really talk about from a from a lack of excitement perspective, if you will. They talk about it like, oh, the founder journey is so exciting. It's so great. And in reality, it is. It's pretty great, but there's dark points as well. And you know, some might call that burnout. Others might call that just yelling at everyone in your company or your customers. <laughs> uh, others might call it, you know, coming home so just, oh, that you just really don't know how to do anything other than work in your business. And you know, it's something we don't talk about as founders because we think it makes us weak, but it doesn't. It makes us human. Right. Uh, and I've hit that a few times. I, I hit it one specific time here at Orchid Black. And it's hard to recognize because, you know, building a business is supposed to be hard. Startups are supposed to be hard. But in reality, you know, we go down these entrepreneurial paths. We get so excited about what we want to build and true wealth and legacy. And sometimes we forget that the way that we're coming across and sometimes we're working so hard within the business that we forget to take a step back and look at what impact that might be driving on the business. And I know I've worked very hard to uh, develop a set of systems to manage burnout. Part of that was realizing that 50% of this game is a personal mindset. 50% is growing the business. And you know whether it be burnout or just your Sunday afternoon anxiety, these are things that we all deal with. And they're a mental tax of building companies. And it's okay to you know be human, not superhuman. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I had to do was I had to get an executive coach. Uh, that was huge for me. I had to take a look at what gaps we needed on the executive team that were not being filled, or that were being filled by by my co-founder and I, literally filling everything because we had to. And we had to take a look at what gaps we had on the team as well. And you know, ultimately between those things, executive coach, leveraging strengths and filling uh, gaps and weaknesses. Uh, we were able to start doing things differently, carving out time to really take care of our employees, take care of ourselves and take care of our families. And, you know, whether we like it or not, our families are what actually keep us driving right. <laughs> and getting so excited about doing what we do anyways. And that right mindset is is so huge.
1: You know, on that topic of burnout, I'd say gosh, almost every client I work with in one way or another has burnout. They don't always call it that. It might be overwhelm. It might be I'm yelling at my family or whatever it may be like you were discussing. And I'm just always amazed at just how much it exists. I mean, it just literally almost any business owner, entrepreneur, founder, I think they're facing it at one point or another. And it manifests in so many different ways. So it, it's cool that it's something you acknowledge you're aware of, you're working on. I think it is definitely something that just doesn't go away because, you know, as a business owner, you kind of have the weight of the world on you. Everybody's looking to you, even if you have another partner, another owner, everybody's looking at you, looking for you for the answers. And it can be overwhelming. So that's a really a cool thing. You know, I am curious. You had mentioned your, I think you had said your executive coach is Mike Smith. So great job, Mike Smith. What do you, in the coaching realm, I'd just love to get your take. Where do you find that's helped you? And obviously, it depends on the individual coach. But did it help you become more organized? Opened up your world to things that you hadn't considered? I'd just be curious what your experience was.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I think it started off with realizing how my uh, historical or, or my my child me affected all of the things that I do in my current me, uh, which is obviously driving towards my future me. <laughs> And I think, you know, that was, a, that was a long, hard look in the mirror at accepting things that I probably just jumped over, like actually taking the time to go through them and like learn from them. And, and um, you know, you don't even realize you do it until you take that step back. You have the right person on the other side of the table or the screen now, or you, you know, really just look at some of the way that the, everything that you do today is connected to things that you've done or things that were done to you in the past. And so I think, you know, learning about how my childhood connected to that, learning about how getting thrown into business at the age of 15, wow. <laughs> you know, really caused me to think about literally everything from a business context rather than an objective communication perspective rather than a, you know, personal communication perspective and um, it also just, you know, really made me take an honest look in the mirror at the, the leader that I wanted to be and the delegation that I wanted to do and drive within the company and the way that it was coming across from others. So like 360 assessments are so huge yeah. in tandem with that, right? Because yeah. people, people feel a safe zone where they can actually say things that they wouldn't otherwise because you're the guy, right? <laughs> or the girl. And so that was, that was pretty meaningful.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, I love the 360 assessments. Hey, I'd love to get... Let's, get, let's talk about business now. <laughs> One thing that you talk about, I use similar terminology and I'm just dying to hear your perspective on it. You talk about predictable revenue. And how does a business achieve it? Do you mind defining first for us, what does predictable revenue mean? Is it just exactly how it sounds? And then how do you achieve it? Or what do you look for in getting that predictable revenue?
0: Yeah, so I think there's a fatal mistake that a lot of companies make as it relates to to sales and marketing. We'll start with sales. Assuming account executives are your sellers, should and will find new business on their own or from past Rolodexes or cold calls. There are very specific industries that that works in, but in software and technology, and like that is not a thing, right? That is a thing. It, people do it. <laughs> but they are compensated for higher value activities. And they're typically pretty terrible at prospecting as well.
1: Right. Hunting.
0: And even if they prospect, well, once they generate pipeline, they become too busy to prospect effectively. And so, you know, thinking about what generates new opportunities for sellers or account executives is something that uh, we run into all the time, right? There's really three ways to generate new opportunities. What we think of it, you know, we think of it as seeds, nets, and spears. And, uh, you know, we didn't make that terminology up. Aaron Ross from Predictable Revenue and a bunch of others have have thought of it in a bunch of different ways. That's just the one that we prefer. And seeds are things you plant, Right. Orchid black, we love plants. So <laughs> uh, referrals, SEO, PR, content, social, things like that. Things that are you know take time to cultivate, right? But ultimately are going to be your most your most meaningful opportunities once they do bubble up. Um, but they're not super predictable, right? Things like nets, more classic marketing, email, paid media, things like that. That are a little more predictable, but a little wider, you know. So it's not as kind of individual spear focused, if you will, and obviously leading to the last one, which is Spears, right? Spears are outbound prospecting. And and that outbound prospecting is kind of what you would think of as a SDR or BDR, sales development, business development representative, someone who's out there trying to get sales qualified leads to hand off to their sellers to really drive real opportunities and, and, and deals. And so that predictable revenue really comes from that last one, which is Spears. If you do it right, you know exactly how many dollars goes into one thing and outcomes on the other end, outcomes deals, right? And um, it's the most predictable. It's also the most meaningful if you do it right. But it's very, very hard to build the right SDR or BDR program, and it takes a lot of science, a lot of discipline, and a lot of experimentation. And so that's really, you know, that
1: where that term predictable revenue, from my perspective, comes in. Got it. Now, do you guys actually get, you know, part of how you can have that? Basically, it's like a machine. You know, you get the leads, you expect a certain number to convert, go through the sales cycle. You can kind of almost statistically diagnose what the end result would be. Do you help your client? Are you getting involved at that level where you're working through that data and coming up with those metrics and testing that process? Is, is that to the level you guys get involved?
0: We are. So when we first started this business, we knew there was a need for an objective lens to view a company's potential and really nothing existed in the market that looked like an organization from a 360 perspective. And so we created something comprehensive and and simple. We call it the value creation assessment or VCA, which is a system that looks at the company from every angle, strategy, people, revenue, product ops. And then ultimately from that assessment, diagnosis, if you will, where we have the largest opportunity to drive growth and value creation. Once we do that, That is when our people come in and augment the existing team or hire full-time team members if needed to make sure that it's not just recommendations at the end of the day, right? It's actually a roadmap and an execution plan that we will work on with them. And you know, again, do that in a compensation structure that aligns us, our incentives with company performance.
1: Very cool. So, hey, I want to switch gears into still in this business mode, but now let's talk about scaling. What do you think are critical success factors particularly in this environment for scaling a business? Like, do you have anything off the top of your head that you could share in terms of scaling?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, I think it starts with realizing where you are on your company growth stage maturity. There's a number of ways to, to cut that. You know, we cut it into four categories, discovery, validation, efficiency, and scale. And you cannot make your way past one stage in the business until all of your disciplines or everything, all of the functional areas of a business are aligned within that stage. Meaning that you can't go out and build a completely unnecessary product until you validated the problem that it solves. Things like that. Right. (laughs) We've seen a lot of things like, you know, really not putting, overly putting money into sales and marketing until you've got a proven experimentation, right? That drives that engine things along those lines. And so I would say, you know, first figure out what stage you're at as a, as a business and what things need to be done as part of that stage. And then, you know, align the company and align the strategy within that stage. What things should we be doing? What things should we not be not, not be doing? And ultimately, how do we make sure that the plan represents that and that everyone is excited and aligned with that plan? And then we track and measure that plan sounds so simple when you say it out loud, right?
1: (laughs) It's so much more complicated than, yeah.
0: It is so much more complicated, especially the regularly cadenced measurement, right? Because nobody wants to get measured at the end of the day. It's always been this negative terminology. But if you turn it into something that's exciting about growth measurement, right? Then it's not accountability. It's just responsibility, like being the CEO of your own business or being the CEO of your own functional right? It's, it's all the same at the end of the day. We're all CEOs of ourselves. <laughs> so let's be CEOs of our own business.
1: So would it be safe to say, it sounds like you guys are really big on measuring results. Is that kind of, I don't want to say it's your secret sauce, but part of your success probably is that you're measuring things. Is that a true statement?
0: It absolutely is. We use a, a set of operating systems once we make our way through the plan and you know, develop a roadmap for a company. Where every week we have, you know, we call a you know a level ten weekly meeting that ultimately connects back to the plan that we've all aligned on, and we measure it and we we problem solve and we use those those really important that really important meeting time to actually have a valuable meeting (laughs) and 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 drive growth and, and measure that growth or lack of thereof and and figure out why that's happening right and dig into it
1: yeah to address it
0: address it yep.
1: So, hey, moving down this chain now. So, I've gone, you know, we've talked a little about predictable revenue. We've talked a little bit about scaling. Now, let's talk about exiting, selling. Oh, you know, someone is thinking about selling their business someday. What would you say in terms of how they could prep for it, or what would that conversation look like? You
0: mind if I just say one more thing that ties to that that's on the sales and marketing side?
1: Please, please do. Yeah, yeah.
0: We talked about the predictable revenue on the on the spheres on the sales side. Yeah. On the marketing side, what I find just crazy is there are a lot of marketing gurus or marketing gurus, sales and marketing gurus, yeah, who will tell you that the funnel is dead, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot.
0: They're lying. <laughs> the funnel is not dead, it's time tested, it's true, and it is the backbone. Of every fast-growing company, augmented with that spear engine, right? So you've got your your backbone of a conversion funnel, and you've got that spear or SDR engine that we talked about. And anyone who tells you otherwise is just trying to sell you something. I want everyone to remember that, please.
1: <laughs> because, well, I do have a question for you. So we'll, we can get onto yeah. the selling thing in a minute because I think this is a really great topic. You do hear, you know, funnel, 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 and everybody like always will tell you like, you almost make it sound like the funnel's the answer to everything. And then you get this other faction and I agree with you. It's like the funnel is dead. And usually it's, they're selling something. So I feel like, is the truth somewhere in the middle? Like, I mean, I feel like, you know, definitely funnel plays a point, but I almost feel like some degree is overhyped. Like it's like the answer to everything. What's your thinking on that? And maybe it's just my lack of understanding. I'd love to know what you think.
0: You're spot on. I mean, there are people who are like, all you need is the funnel, right? And all you need is this and it'll just happen for you. When I say funnel, what I mean is thanks to the product-led growth movement or PLG movement, there is more than one way to design your customer acquisition funnel. It's not just, you know, here's the funnel. And it's not going to solve all your problems just by having it. Right. But it needs to exist and it needs to follow a, a path, right? It needs You need to have something that drives awareness, something that drives people understand who you are and what you do. And like a brand is part of that. Messaging is part of that. But ultimately, there's got to be things that you do, or you know, uh, strategies that you leverage to drive awareness. Then there's got to be consideration, like what is what is the buying process, right? The decision-making process that people go through, not just focusing on the decision maker, but the decision-making process, which is what so many people get wrong. And what are the considerations that you must have? You know, something within your funnel that that, that pushes towards that, right? It could just be. All sales oriented for some industries that works. Other times it's got to have you know really strong content and thought leadership that's part of that consideration. And it could be a number of other things, but ultimately it leads to a conversion. So awareness, consideration, conversion, which is essentially how we as humans work. People know about you, they pay attention to you, and then they trust and buy from you. Right? It's it's really not that complicated. And because you know, we've worked with over a hundred tech CEOs. We've seen a number of different permutations. But ultimately, thinking about awareness, consideration, and conversion is something that people must do.
1: Yeah, good feedback. Hey, I do want to now get back into the, the whole exit thing. Yep. So someone's business owner, founder, entrepreneur, you know, their plan is to exit a business someday, sell it. What can they do to prep? Like, What would you tell them? Obviously, different points in their, their journey is going to probably have different answers. But just generally speaking, what should a business owner do?
0: Yeah, I mean there's a number of there's a number of things that I would say and where it really starts is a fundamental knowledge of what exits are and what you're driving towards. And so first off, it starts with do you know where you're going? Like do you know what that exit strategy looks like, who your plan is to sell to, and ultimately like what they're looking for in a buy or in a purchase um, as part of that acquisition? Cause that drives a lot of the exit value or the transferable value of your business right to theirs. And you know, there's a number of different buyers out there, private equity, right? Another company or trade sale, right? Things like that that need to be thought of. But it starts with the exit in mind. So that's number one. Number two is what does that actually mean? <laughs> and if you connect that to the way you build a business, right? You create a strategy, right? You hire talent around that strategy, right? You build a product with that talent. Or service, you know, if the service is business, you drive revenue with that product or that service, and then you have operations, right? You know, how you actually run the business. So strategy, talent, product, revenue, operations. And I think you know what so many people get wrong when they look at themselves in terms of you know what is my exit value is. They're like, well, this business exited for this many times EBITDA or this times revenue, and right, so that's what I'm worth, obviously. But in reality. That's not how businesses are valued. They're, they're valued in a much more complex way that can be simplified. When you think about that operations layer, that's table stakes, right? Your multiple of EBITDA, your multiple revenue, that is what people are, uh, it's like they're going to expect that you have, you have those things, right? If you're not, you know, do you have a business, Right. On top of that is more of all the strategic value, the, the product value, the, the, the talent that you have on your team that's going to be able to be transferred as part of that sale. And you know that is so important for people to recognize because oftentimes they're thinking of themselves as the founders, like, I am so important to this organization. I am everything, right? And if that's true, you're doing it all wrong. Like You should be very important, but you should not be the only thing driving your business forward. Otherwise, your valuation is going to get heavily discounted and, you know, called a key man, if you will, being way too important to your business. What I would say is like to get around this, have somebody who has a history of exits and an understanding of what all these value mechanisms are. Look at your business. Right? There's a lot of people like us that are willing to do it, dig in and in a matter of a couple of weeks, get you to a conclusion that, you know, is, is, shows you all of the opportunity within your business to drive value creation. So it's all really important
1: things. Yeah. Wonderful advice. Yeah. I, you know, I sold a staffing firm that had ownership in, and uh, we had several interested buyers. And uh, one of the buyers uh, didn't have a presence. They were a national company and didn't have a presence in the Bay Area. And we were Bay Area focused. Their office had just been dying over the last 10 years. So we got kind of lucky because they wanted an instant presence in the Bay Area, which is what we were. And so here we had several interested buyers, but because we were so important to their strategy, so it was a strategic acquisition, that we got a way better multiple, frankly, than we probably would have if it was just a straight sale without a real, you know, intense strategic need that they had. Mm. So interesting you bring up that conversation because there's just so many different variables and what. Sometimes you know, we talk about EBITDA, which is basically the profit of a company in a very simplified way. And then there's a, a multiple, for the benefit of the audience, there's a multiple that gets timed by that. And that oftentimes can be the valuation, but that can fluctuate dramatically depending on various strategic variables, which is what you were sharing, which is awesome. Hey, I wanted to shift now. Well, and, and to your point, yeah, you want to yeah.
0: be bought, not sold.
1: Yeah, good. It sounds
0: it sounds so dumb, but like if somebody's after you to buy you, your your multiple is gonna be a lot higher and you can plan to make sure they come to you, right? Versus having to go out and sell yourself to them. And that is that is magic. I love hearing stuff stories like that. That's terrific. Yeah,
1: and that's a great point to highlight. I mean, being pursued is a heck of a lot than being the one trying to find, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. Just like real life, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, just like real yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to switch gears. One last thing I wanted to talk about in the business realm. I'd love to know your thoughts in terms of attracting and finding talent. Just <sighs> you know, what are some of your challenges advice for retaining talent, attracting them? I'd love to just get a little bit of your insight.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at any toughest challenges for business owners list and you'll find yeah. hiring, retaining <laughs> near or at the top, usually number 1. And building a business of qualified, talented people that are going to treat your clients like you would treat them is never easy. And it's even harder in the earlier stages of a company where you have literally everything working against you. A million things to do, time-consuming process likely don't have cash to compete with comparable job roles at much larger companies, right? Long hours. (laughs) (laughs) Everything, yeah. But you do have something on your side, and that's the ability to let your most talented people grow within the company and take on as much responsibility as they're capable. I mean, we don't just have that performance-focused mechanism with our clients. We do that internally too, right? Our talent, our associate talent, our, our next generation of leaders, if you will has a performance based component of it. Part of that is you know real equity within the company and within the deals that we work on and the things that they do every day. And as much as reasonably possible, right? you can build a meritocracy from the top down. and it all emanates when you focus on performance, when you part focus on partnership with your employees just the same way that you do with your customers. and you can re- yield results that you wouldn't see at most companies. It trickles down, right? everything trickles down. and if you have, you know, some of the, some of the best early career leaders, if you will. And if you focus on getting the right people with aptitude in or with attitude, the right attitude in, you can usually teach aptitude. And ultimately, you know, to me, those are, those are gates, right? You got to have the right attitude. I don't care how much, you know, how great you are at your job. If you don't have the right attitude and you can't get aligned with the strategy, right? It doesn't matter how smart you are or how much IQ you have, right? It's just, it's a very gated thing in my mind and you know build career paths to to highlight the growth that these people can have within your company yeah, I could probably go on and on for this. Probably want me to shut up, but
1: no, that's a lot of wisdom, though. That's a gr- lot of good tips there. Right? The way you coming into a startup and thinking about your career path and growth, because there is you have so much autonomy typically in a startup, early stage company. There's just tremendous opportunity, and kind of turning that into a positive in terms of career growth is just a great way to look at it. Hey, I do want to talk about Orchid Black first. I love the name. Does it have a meaning to it? I mean, I orchids are just awesome. So you got me on orchid.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And believe it or not, uh, it was a rebrand. So it wasn't where we started. It was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. I think our marketing team probably wanted to fire fire me in every way possible throughout the process. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, when you look at your brand and you look at what you're trying to bring to the market, what you're trying to tell the market, that brand is everything. And the brand that we had previously was was not in line with what we wanted to highlight to the market. It wasn't innovative. It wasn't super founder cool founder. I right? like really growth focused. Right. Those, these are all words that are really important to us. And and so we looked at right what we were really doing, which was in this lush jungle of opportunity, we we really hunt for a most really exclusive breed of partner of founders and companies, these promising businesses with unique offering and. And kind of like with any prized exotic orchid, a company's true value really emerges when it has expert pruning and care and is taken care of. And orchids can grow for over a hundred years consistently when tended to properly. And so all of those things combined with the fact that we focus on companies that are cash positive or in the black and exclusive is this really, you know, is usually black's a really exclusive color. It all just really coalesced to come into this cultivation, if you will. And uh, you know, when properly nurtured, orchids fly, and that's what we look for.
1: <laughs> I to love help, it.
0: help these new breed of partners. So, thank you, guys. That's
1: pretty deep. <laughs> you guys got you it all You're angle. going that deep. No, did you? <laughs> I love it though. I mean, the black with the prophet, the orchid, lush jungle. I mean, it's a lot of cool stuff there. So, you know, I'd spoken to your assistant, Lauren, and I hope I'm not. I think it's your assistant, but Lauren, our partner manager, but yes. partner man, yeah. Sorry, no disrespect, Lauren. Sorry, but she's awesome. We had a nice conversation, but when she introduced herself from Market Black, it didn't initially click to me. But I just love the name. Was like immediately like. I was trying to like figure like what is this company all about and then it clicked after a few minutes. I love the name. Name's awesome. So. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. I think I could talk with you all day about that. <laughs> so hey, I want to talk about your ideal client. You talked about cash flow positive. What else does an ideal client look like? Like who do you work with? Who can you help? Yeah. Take me through that.
0: It starts with do you want to exit within the next 3 years? 3 years? Okay. Within the next 3 years. Okay. And and if so, Are you a founder that is, has built a tech forward business? Most of our companies are software, but we do have some that are more emerging tech or tech enabled companies. Are you a founder who really wants to build a growth business rather than just a, you know, lifestyle business, if you will, which it's acceptable if you do, don't get me wrong. It's just, we only focus on the ones that really want to grow. And then are you interested in kind of getting out of the day to day and starting to focus more on the business and growing as a leader? And if so, if your revenue is between 3 million and 50 million, if you are in the black or profitable, and if you have not taken on a large amount of institutional or VCPE capital, you are a great client for us, especially if you really know that you need help taking it to the next level. Cause we'll be able to find out in the first call, if you really are you know, someone that's looking to really build something awesome beyond what you've built today. And um, it takes a special founder to really meet that which is why we only take on so many companies each year. We do about 25 of those value creation assessments a year to get to about 8 of our growth services clients because we are we are very hands on with those 8 and ultimately, you know that's that's really that that kind of core. So tech enabled or tech focused, tech forward, founder led, little to no institutional capital and 3 to 5 million with recognition that there's opportunity to grow it much, you know, to a much higher degree.
1: Right. And then if I understand your journey kind of is like they they want out in three years. So you're really holding their hand, if you will, over that three-year process of, of staging their company, getting into a position where they're acquisitionable, if you will.
0: Yeah. And it could be three years or it could be as little as six months in some cases. Right? One example on the, on the lower end is we were called into a fintech company by a founder who had bootstrapped for 15 years. He had built an awesome business, but was flatlining. And he wanted to exit within the next year and spend the rest of his time enjoying life and investing in other startups and things that we all love to do is on the other side of an exit. But because he had low new logo growth, uh, the valuation wasn't anywhere near what he wanted. He had tried his usual ideas to generate sales and also you know, increase you know, margin and things just really weren't working like they used to. And what was worse is his 12-month forecast was just getting worse from a lot of different core metrics. And... So he looked at our you know, secret sauce, if you will, our VCA of uh, what we do to really identify where the value in the business is and where it could be going forward. And in four weeks, he had a roadmap on how to increase the business 50%. And uh, ultimately, he was so pleased with the work that he hired us to you know, execute along with him, which was great. And in seven months, we actually went from $23 million to $36 million in enterprise value which was a fifty-five percent increase on a twelve-month plan. Did it in seven months, which is pretty great because everyone won big. And since our performance is aligned with incentives, you know, we all won big, and uh, it's just a really, really cool story. So I guess I kind of went on because just love talking about our clients. But <laughs> ultimately, that's that's on the lower end. Is so it's really six to thirty-six months.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. What a great success story. I I can only imagine. Uh- how that payday must've felt, (laughs) you know, that's kind of like the justification for all your hard work. I do have a question as it relates to, you mentioned a little institutional money. What does that mean? Like what's a little mean? Like,
0: so we aim for it not to have any institutional capital, but a little might mean that ultimately there's, there's somebody on the cap table who's an institutional investor or VC or P is what we mean by institutional venture capital or private equity but it might not be a majority position it might be a very small minority position you know 5 10% and the reason we tend to look for that is it's really important that everyone on the team listen to the plan that we're creating together and we want as few variables as possible sure. and investors can tend to be a variable if they have their own agendas or if they need to make a certain right return on on that investment in the very near term or longer term and so we really try to make sure that everything we're doing is for the founders rather than for the investors, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes total sense. A lot of times angel investors in particular, a 10x to them is like not worth their time. They're looking for a hundred to a thousand X return. And that may not be in line with you know what what the owner and yourselves are necessarily looking for. A 10x to a lot of people is a great return, using that as an example. And so I think that's what you're saying is that you just get these different expectations and that kind of hard to manage. Different visions of where things should go—is that kind of what it is? The experience would be, yeah,
0: it is. Angel investor money is totally fine. It's really the the more institutional companies that have invested, like traditional venture capital. Got it. And yes, I mean it's it's less about you know just 100 going for the 100x. It's it's more about you know just not having more people at the table <laughs> that yeah. that end up being an impetus for their own decision making. And so you know ultimately. We won't take anything on unless we can see 100% year-over-year value creation, which is pretty pretty huge, right? Um, so if it's three years, that's that's 300%. But ultimately, that is a core focus of ours.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Hey, I think I've covered everything. Is there anything else you want to share before? I would like to ask one thing just in terms of um, if there's any actual items you can give us that might improve our life or our business. Is there's just like a little tip you can share with us that we can take away with?
0: Yeah, I would say, number one, hire the right talent and take care of them because they'll take care of your customers and your customers will take care of you. And when all three of those are in alignment, the organization, the customers and the employees, the great businesses run and you have an aligned strategy towards making a lot of money and having great exits. And number two, since this you know had an exit feel to it and an acquisition feel in the way that we were talking about things, focus on transferable value. Right. Don't focus just on what's going to drive the value for you as the business owner this year if you're if you have an exit in mind. Think about the exit and the potential acquirer and what's going to maximize the value for them because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are purchasing it. And then do all things to, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, if you will, but do all things you can to to really help other founders. I mean, that's why I'm here today and that's why I do what I do. And I think uh, that's why I invest uh, a lot of founders become angel investors on the other side of an exit. But there's awesome things happening that's driving uh, people to really build community around you know things like this. So I, I'm just just excited to, And honestly, if anyone wants to reach out to me, I am always down with office hours every week just to help if I can. Whether that's you know helping someone within you know their own career growth or helping them within their you know potential exit or just helping them find the right person to talk to. I've got a pretty great network. So would uh, just love to help anyone I can.
1: Yeah, please. So so your website's orchid.black, orchid.black. Yes. So if anyone yes. wants to go to your website. Now, of course, I'll put this in the show notes. I'll put all your links. But I'd love to know if someone does want to reach out to you. Is it to go to your website or where's the easiest place they can just contact you directly?
0: Yeah, they can go to the website. Uh, my email is jb at orchid.black or anyone can find me on LinkedIn as well. I, you know, I do a lot of a lot of networking on LinkedIn and uh, you can find me under Jim Barnish Jr. or Grow Smart Grow Fast. Either one works. And uh, and yeah, just happy to happy to help anyone I can.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'll put um, definitely put everything in the show notes. It'll be at thinktyler.com. Jim, I just love talking with you. I feel like, you know, I I try to keep these short to about a half an hour, but I feel like we could talk for a couple hours and you probably could teach us a ton of stuff. I'll be back. Thanks, man. Hey, have a great day. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Tyler. Have a good one. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. This is Unapologetically Fab. An
0: Electric Electricast production.
1: See you there. Electricast. Electric Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter.
0: We